Nicolas Cage is probably one of our generation's definitive actors. Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well in the world right now. Good evening, everybody. Matt Guy here. Hope everybody's splendidly... Splendid. <laughs> Spend, splendidly, Stu. It's a new thing I'm trying. <laughs> I'll try new things once in a while. Hello, everyone. Right, we're here to discuss... Probably the most memed of all of Cage's films. Like, this is the most, it's definitely the most gifs of anything. I mean, we get the odd gif of Con Air, but when you watch Vampire's Kiss, I can think of at least four different images from this film, which uh, you will see regularly yeah. on the Twitter. Obviously, it's a film from 1988. We've not watched a lot of films from this period of time. But it sits in between Raising Arizona in 87 and Wild at Heart from 1990. So where did you think we were going to be with this movie? What what were your expectations going in, Matt? Uh, the meme thing, you can get a good meme out of anything. It doesn't necessarily dictate what it's going to be like quality-wise. But I didn't watch a trailer because I wanted to stew it up on this one. I didn't want to get any preconceptions, but I did read the kind of the synopsis on it. And I thought to myself, okay, actually this from a, from a plot point of view, this sounds like it could be really fun. This sounds like it has the opportunity to be something a little out of the ordinary. Fuck me. Did I get that? With an extra size? I got that supersized. Stu, what were you thinking going in? Nope. <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't do anything. I looked for it, couldn't find it anywhere, so I had to I had to be naughty, and that was it. I didn't look up anything. It didn't look at score up. I didn't look at who, who was in it. I just downloaded it and put it on. And I think Vampire's Kiss, you kind of expect certain things. Um, so it was um, <laughs> it was different. Let's just say that. But you're right, Matt, when you said you can make a meme out, a, a gif out of anything. I mean, probably the most used gif of the last two years has been the one of Andy and the grain store. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Shaking yeah, his head yeah, to true. tragedy by steps, which is that on Twitter now? Is it? I think I, I think out? I have tweeted I it so- out and I made the mistake of sending it to our friend Ash Dolan, who now keeps sending it back at me. <laughs> so I definitely shouldn't <laughs> have done that. <laughs> um, so the director on this film is Robert Beerman, not a name I'm aware of. Um, This was his first cinematic release, followed a decade later by A Merry War, which is a Richard E. Grant and Helena Bonham Carter, George Orwell adaptation. The rest of his handful of directorial credits are British TV staples, The Bill, Casualty, Walking the Dead, uh, sorry, Waking the Dead even, (laughs) and the Inspector Lindley Mysteries. So this film like sticks out like a sore thumb in his like he's a very British director by the looks of things. So I, I don't know how he got involved in this madness. Bit of an odd one. So IMDb describes this film as after an encounter with a neck biter, 
a publishing executive thinks that he's turning into a vampire. It's just the tip of the iceberg, isn't it? It's, like, that doesn't even touch the size of what is going on with this film. <laughs> right, okay. How was your weekend? It's all right, you know. There's nothing worth shattering. He was an ordinary guy. Morning, everyone. Morning. Looking for an extraordinary love. I'm Peter Lowe. Rachel. I brought this girl up to my place the other night. It started with a kiss. Really hot. A very special kiss. You wanted her very badly. Yeah. A kiss that could drive you mad. I hate interrupted love affairs, don't you? Yep, 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 yep. It's affecting his work. There you are! It's a horrible, horrible job. And you have to do it. It's ruining his appetite. My next appointment with you is uh, Tuesday afternoon. I'd like to make it sooner. It's spoiling his sleep. Sooner. And don't think people haven't noticed. Am I getting through to you, Alva? He is so eccentric. My, my. For Peter Lowe... That's just love. Love? Love. In the big city. Yeah! Don't laugh. I'm a professional. I don't laugh. I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! <laughs> Nicholas Cage. The tortures of the death! Maria Conchita Alonso. Shoot. I'm doing her all fire. you. Do you understand? <laughs> Not the floor, Alba. And Jennifer Beals. You are so pathetic. <clears throat> Vampire's Kiss. Strange stuff. I'll never do that again. Jeez. It's the 80s. Greed is good, narcissistic office workers and yuppies as far as the eye can see. Peter Lowe is an a literary agent during the day and a party animal at night in the pursuit of the holy trinity of the 80s, fun, funs and one night stands. This opens with Peter at his therapists. What the fuck is that accent? (laughs) No. So apparently Cage did this accent because this is how he thought bookish people spoke. Yeah. I still don't know what the accent is because it's kind of British. I thought he was doing some kind of faux British. If if the uh, if Bram Stoker's Dracula hadn't have been released by like already at this point, I'd have been convinced he'd have got it from from that. It's b- bizarre, it's so isn't weird. it? The accent. I just. Be- I mean, we know from Captain Corelli's Mandolin <laughs> that he's. I don't think geographically he knows where countries are and <laughs> what what accents they should be. I'm not. I don't know what it's meant to be. But but he's in New York. That's yeah, the accent he should be doing. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just weird. Like I, I can't even describe it because it is so off the wall. Like you can't pin it, and like as the film goes on, obviously he devolves into a mental health episode. 
but we believe at the beginning he's not a nut job or anything. He's a dude who's very successful at his job. So I don't know why he chose this. Like it's it's a swing and a miss. He sounds like the you know the the, the clever gremlin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the accent he's got. <laughs> Well, that, that's probably where they got it from in Gremlins 2, that is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> right. That night he goes to a club and meets Jackie, takes her home, and whilst they're fooling around, a bat flies in through the window. I would absolutely shit a brick if that happened to me. Like, I've had birds fly into the house before, but never a bat. That would be... I don't mind bats, but that would be too much for me. Hmm. I, I struggled with bats. Mm, no. It was worse when I had hair, of course. But <laughs> walking through that bat part in Dudley Zoo is, I don't like it. <laughs> I like the, the one at uh, Chester's awesome. They've got the whole bat cave thing. It's fucking incredible. Yeah, it was close. And I went a few weeks ago because of like avian flu mm. and stuff like that. So I had to make do with a butterfly house. <laughs> no. Which wasn't as. Um, which wasn't Andy's as, favourite. Mm, I've, I've done the butterfly house and. I scared the shit out of it. I hate butterflies. <laughs> Fucking flapping cunts. Just horrible. I don't like butterflies or moths. They can both fuck off. Horrible. Horrible things. Goth butterflies. That, well, yeah, that's exactly what they are. They're all bastards. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've lost my place. Right. So this is where we went through a whole thing of the fancast group being called Moth Appreciation or something, was it? <laughs> yeah. When I said that they were made of dust, which they are. No, it, no. What what other animal, when you touch it, collapses like moths do? Butterflies. It doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. No, butterflies don't. Butter, if you kill a butterfly, you, you, you should feel pain inside. But the little wings kind of like, oh, well, they fall down. Like, um, like Tinkerbell. But not, <laughs> this doesn't happen to moths. Moths just fall like... It's like when you play games when they ain't got enough RAM and they just dis- the the enemies just disappear into thin air. That's what moths are like. It's just dust, flying dust. Okay. <laughs> I have something to ask mm. about one of the opening scenes with the therapist. Is it the mm. next one where he tells her that he got a hard on whilst he was fighting the bat? No. <laughs> Strange as that is. Okay. Um, right. Were clothes that big in the 80s? I don't mean yes. big as in fashion-wise. <laughs> were clothes that massive on people? <laughs> was there no such thing as tailoring in the 80s? It was all about the shoulder pads and oversized things. Like the lapels on the psychiatrist's jacket. I literally think there's more fabric on that than I have on most of my t-shirts. It's literally it's, the, the clothes are just huge. It looks ridiculous. Like everyone's wearing clown clothes. Mm. Go back through your old photo, family photo albums, and you guarantee you'll see stuff like this. Yeah, definitely. I'm fascinated by the uh, the therapist in this. I want a film of her. Like we just get snippets of her being like a bit of a cunt to Cage. And like he's trying to express his emotions of like, like I said, he got aroused when fighting this bat, and she was like, "Yeah, but you were like about to fuck anyway." So, what are you talking about? And then like right towards the end of the film, we see her with a guy who is clearly about thirty years younger than she is. <laughs> like, What's going on here? That's come out of nowhere. So I just want to know all about her and not the rest of the film that we got. Mm. Unfortunately, 
another night, another bar. Lone meets Rachel this time, taking her home. Whilst they're about to get down to Bone Town, she pins him down and exposes her fangs and bites Lowe on the neck. While shaving, Lowe then cuts his neck and puts a plaster over it, believing this to now be his fang bites. Then he prepares a coffee and chats to Rachel in bed. The camera pans out. She's not there. Was it a dream or is Lowe insane? The girl from the day before, Jackie, is now on a date with Lowe. He abandons her. He just fucks off into a taxi and does one without any explanation whatsoever. Jackie calls and leaves an abusive message on Lowe's answering machine telling him to fuck off. We get flashes of Cage's insane brilliance as he chews out his lung-suffering assistant, Alva, who cannot find a <laughs> copy of a missing contract. This is the first of the famous gifts. The Cage leaning forward with a cigarette in his mouth and pointing. I wanted it a bit more impactful because we've seen this gift so many times. And it felt very throwaway, I thought that did. But the absolute fucking horrendous attitude he shows towards Alva... <laughs> It's kind of hilarious, but awful at the same time in this movie. <laughs> it, it is. I think it's highlighted. Not, It's not the most shouted, the most screamy or anything, but he goes, I'm going to make the massive song and dance now when I call him about not getting this contract. And you then hear the conversation with the bloke he's calling and he's like, yeah, take your time, man. Don't fucking worry about it. <laughs> and he goes back. I never got a chance to get a word in edgeways because he was fucking ripping my head off. Blah, blah, blah. Just absolutely abusing this woman. Um, it was, um, it was something when like the, well, as we, as we find out a little later on, it gets sinister quick with her, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, the berating of her was, at first, very, very funny in a mean way. Mm. A day later, Lowe calls Jackie to explain why he left her on their date and persuades her to meet him that night to explain why he left her. Completely apropos of nothing, when Lowe leaves his apartment block, he passes by two mimes who were miming domestic abuse. There's no crowd watching them or anything. I don't know why they put that scene in. Mm. It makes no sense, like... Weird, just baffling. And it doesn't come back in any point through the film. I don't get it really odd. Right, that's a quarter of the way through this film at this point. What are you thinking so far, Stu? Well, as I said earlier, I didn't know what this was. So thinking about Vampire's Kiss, thinking, okay, how it started, it's going to be like a bit bit of like a vampire rom-com. So, as soon as he went, he went back in with the coffee, and she wasn't there. I thought it's all in his head, isn't he? This is not happening. And mm. from then on, and, and then seeing the mimes, and I thought this is a farce. <laughs> but already, you know, I was. It was another one of these where I was giggling to myself, mm. and and I was. <laughs> I said that we were watching Primal, but this one, I mean, the scenes that we'll come to in a bit that I had tears in my eyes. I was laughing that much. Um, but the, the poor Alva, <laughs> just, I hadn't seen, I didn't recognise that that first one. That first one was, the, it was later on when I saw it, um, just weirdly for the first time ever, <laughs> the one with the finger. Mm. Um, I didn't recognise that at all, so... Sitting, just thinking, hang on, what has she done wrong? And then you, that whole thing of 
talking about the clothes of the 80s. The office of the 80s as well with the wood panels down yeah, either side yeah. of the corridor. <laughs> it's like prime lethal weapon. And I was bemused more than anything else. I think the mime thing was just like the... Um, like that film that we always constantly forget. <laughs> the um, Spike Lee film from the 80s that's based in New York as well. That I can't remember. Considering how good it is as well. Do, Do the, the right, right thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so how that was like a, a snapshot of that part of New York. I think that this mime thing was just a, a case of New York is a fucking odd place. Mm. I thought that's what I got from it. That like, yeah, there's these people around, and you got these districts and things, and you got him going out at night, and you got they, them people there. You got the office people there, and then you just got random street performers doing nothing in front of no one. That's what I, that's what I took from that. Mm. Matt, how are you feeling like half an hour-ish into this film? I didn't sign up for the prequel to Wild at Heart, <laughs> <laughs> basically. And I, I had to check it wasn't a David Lynch film because I was like, mm. oh, no, here we go again. Like, I, I just... There's weird for weirdness sake. I understand that. And... But, no, I was like, I was... I really, really wasn't enjoying this film. Even a quarter <laughs> of the way through, I was like, God, this is fucking awful. Like, and not not so bad it's good either. Like, really just not enjoying it. I, I, I couldn't work out what was going on, and not because it's a confusing <laughs> film or it's a, too clever for me. I just, it was all over the place. Uh, so, you know, quarter of the way through, I was like... <sighs> I get people want to challenge themselves artistically, but you, 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 <laughs> you don't. You don't have to challenge yourself autistically at the same time. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? This mm. it, it just wasn't for me. wasn't for me at all. Mm. The first quarter, at least. That night, Lowe is visited by Rachel, who once again drains the blood from his neck. This becomes a regular occurrence throughout the film. Lowe never makes it to meet Jackie, who leaves a message for Lowe on his apartment entrance, telling him to stay out of her life. The second memeable moment happens when Crazy Cage is sat at work in his sunglasses uh, as he started to believe he is becoming a vampire now. Once again, he lays into his secretary. He tells her how worthless she is and that he will pound her into the ground if she doesn't find this missing contract. We see Cage eat a live cockroach. His delusions are getting worse. He actually ate a live cockroach. He actually did that. The absolute fucking maniac. At work, Alva has phoned in sick, so Lo goes to visit her and he tricks her into returning to work, acting all nice before losing his shit at her, chasing her and hitting her, grabbing and tearing at her clothes. She blacks out. Lo picks up a gun which Alva was carrying, puts it in his mouth before pulling the trigger. He didn't realise that Alva was only carrying blanks, so Lowe took this to believe that he was now an immortal vampire when he didn't die. Running through the street, screaming, <laughs> I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire. <laughs> That's two-thirds of the way through the film now. Matt, are you still hating this film? It's so strange because the second... We haven't quite got there yet. The second he puts the three dollar fool's teeth in, <laughs> it's become a different film, mm. and I'm I don't know how, because I've gone from hating a film to the second he puts his teeth in, 
all of a sudden I'm like, you know what? This is hilarious. Like <laughs> as soon as as soon as he really thinks he's become a vampire, so maybe you know around the time after the blanks, it it goes from odd artistic whatever you want to just black comedy then at that point mm. but it comes to black comedy after the point that he sexually assaulted someone and it's <laughs> like you just don't know how to feel and like if, if it's not bad enough you just you know you see like clips of her suffering and crying in bed mm. so like it takes you out of black comedy and just puts you back into seeing the victim and it's it, it's like you don't know what to think and i don't think it's because he wants to challenge the viewer. I just think because he doesn't know what film he's making. Like, yeah, there is some but, of that. But when, but when he puts his teeth in, it becomes just hilarious. Then at that point, like I'm now, I, it's rare for me to be turned on to a film two thirds of the way in. <laughs> That's usually when it loses me. But then I started to enjoy myself at that point. Mm. What I love in the scene with the the three dollar false teeth is that we know that Peter Lowe is a high-powered publisher. He's the boss of this company. He's a powerful man. He's clearly well-off. And he can't afford $19 for a pair of the ceramic teeth, so he has to buy the cheap, shit plastic ones for $3. I don't know why, but that really made me laugh that he just couldn't afford 20 bucks for these fucking teeth. Stu, two-thirds in, what are you thinking? Uh. I don't think I was thinking. I was just laughing. <laughs> I don't even know if it was in, if it was intentional laughter or not, but it just got ludicrous. <laughs> it got more and more odd as, as it went along. And like when he went in, and I was thinking, because there was still even in the back of my mind thinking, is this a piss take? Is he is he act, is it like a double bluff? Is he actually a vampire? But he can't grow his fangs yet. And it was still in the back of my mind thinking, am I going to get done here Like when, when I don't realise things are happening? <laughs> and so I was kind of second-guessing myself at a stupid film. <laughs> I think I did a bit of that, to be fair, though. I, I think I expected more of it, and it, it didn't really give me that. But, yeah. So, yeah, now Lowe is convinced that he's a vampire. He's worried that his fangs haven't come in yet. So he goes to what looks like a Chinese medicine store to buy fangs. Like if you look in the background, to, it's the same place where where he buys Gizmo, the Mowgli. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I'm sure there's like newt tail and stuff in there for Chinese medicines. It's not like a joke story goes to. It doesn't look weird. Uh, so yeah, he puts these fangs in, and Cage has been like borderline indecipherable throughout this film with that accent, <laughs> and now he's put false teeth in that don't even fit properly. <laughs> uh, when she comes to Alva, believes that Low rapes her. She informs her brother of this. Lowe now attends a club and he attempts to seduce a woman who slaps him when he gets a bit too handsy. He overpowers her and bites her neck with his real actual teeth, not the plastic fangs. This leaves her unconscious and bloodied on the streets. Lowe continues going out partying as he does every night. He sees Rachel with another man. She barely recognises him. We realise that those nights that she visits to drink his blood aren't real. She's just, she just about remembers his name. Lowe tries to force her to reveal her fangs, which I thought was really funny when he just grabs her mouth and <laughs> screams at her. <laughs> he gets thrown out of the club. The morning after, stumbling through the streets, covered in blood around his mouth, Lowe hallucinates a session with his therapist. He tells her that he raped and murdered somebody. 
a nearby newspaper headline confirms that the woman he attacked and bit has died. Lowe returns to his apartment, lies on the ground and pulls the couch over him like he's entering a coffin. Alva's brother arrives, angry as he believes that Lowe has raped his sister and plunges a wooden stake into Lowe. His final moments, Lowe envisions the vampire Rachel once more. She says, dream of me, my angel, dream of me. So the budget on this film was $2 million and it raked in $725,000. If we adjust that for inflation, we're looking at like $5 million in today's money and they got maybe one point seven. So they still well under their budget there. They, they've done nothing to get it back. It was released in the US in September 1988, and what a year that was. A few of the choice cuts from the top 20. Who Framed Roger Rabbit was the top grossing film with 156 million. We've got Coming to America, Big, Three Men and a Baby, Die Hard. Nicolas Cage had one of his first big hit films with Moonstruck, Fish Called Wonder, Willow, Rambo 3. One of my favourite Christmas films, Scrooge, was released. Twins. So, like, 1988 was a great fucking year for films, just not this one. <laughs> so, before I give you the scores, I want you to tell me what you think they will be for IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Stu? <laughs> I can't imagine either. They're going to be pretty high. Um, three, three, and, three and six, the generous of the audience there. <laughs> Matt? What do you think? I reckon this is so Marmite. I'm just going to go 50-50 for both because critics-wise, you're going to get people that want to upset the apple cart or probably want to see things that aren't even mm. there. The irony. Um, <laughs> and then for fans, you know, this you're in because of the memes and that you're into cult film status as well. Yeah. So 50-50 for both, I think. Mm, yeah. Uh, IMDb was 6.0. The Metacritic was 31. The Rotten Tomatoes critical score was 61%. And the audience score was 53%. So you are right. It's very much... Mm. You're either a yes or you're a no on it. It's, there doesn't seem to be any in between. Uh, Peter Travers from The Rolling Stone. What this movie needs isn't criticism. It's more like a stake through the heart. Karen James from New York Times. This film is dominated and destroyed by Mr. Cage's chaotic, self-indulgent performance. Uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum from Chicago Reader didn't agree. He said, uh, what makes this film worth seeing is Cage's outrageously unbridled performance. Um, Variety ultimately put the final nail in the coffin, though. Problem is that Cage's over-the-top performance generates little sympathy for the character, so it's tough to be interested in him as his personality disorder worsens. However, there were some people who liked it, and the maniacs at Amazon.com gave this four out of five stars, of with course. over half of the reviewers giving it a five-star review. Nikki Pierce said, There are some sex scenes, but only what you'd expect from a 1980s film, Underwear Stays On. There are a lot of expletives used that some viewers will find offensive, will in all capitals. Not me, I don't care. Except, <laughs> except B's, C's and F's. Uh, you can also expect the whole alphabet at one point. Odysseus Timepiece, which is a hell of a name, 
an important lesson that dangerous men who abuse their power aren't necessarily menacing or calculating, but can be ridiculous and immature. I imagine the conversations Donald Trump had with himself are similar to those Nicolas Cage's character has in this movie. They're both misogynists with delusions of grandeur. The vast majority of the reviews were saying it was very much tongue-in-cheek, confirming its place in the pantheon of so bad it's good. So the good, the bad and the crazy. Stu, start us off. I mean, the, the good is Cage's performance is brilliant. <laughs> and I mean, that, that scene, the scene in the nightclub where he's got the teeth in and he's just walking, <laughs> walking through the crowd. And just, just the look on his face, it's just stupid. It, it, it's so stupid that that's that's the part where I was crying, laughing, and it was it was almost like Freddie got fingered levels of tears. <laughs> it was just silliness. Um, but he does it; it's, it's proper hamming it up to the absolute max. Mm. And there isn't much in, uh, and like the whole weird accent thing, where you think, well. Is he doing that? Is he doing it to try and try and please the people he works with and be more yuppie? Like, like we said earlier, we don't know. Um, but it just kind of shows what what a kind of lunatic he already was before he got bitten. So, yeah, I, I, I thought his performance was superb <laughs> in for in such a strange way because mm. it. it I mean, it's a pretty terrible film. <laughs> That's you go on to the bad. I mean, the rest of it is pretty awful. Um, there isn't much to it, really. But again, it's it's like a parody of itself in places where you never really know what's going to happen. Mm. And for films like this, that's rare. Mm. So, I mean, putting that in bad is. It's going to like change my own mind. <laughs> it's it should probably should go in the crazy where you. You can go from, like Matt said, you can go from hating it 15 minutes in to then loving it 20 minutes later. It's I, I can't think of a film that's been as odd as this, really, in how there's so many moving parts to a single whole. It's just weird. Yeah, we've, we've done nothing like this, have we? This is, no, I, this is I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this in my life. Mm. I mean, when we said about Colour Out of Space before, where that was weird and you never really saw like the twists and turns coming, but that was in a kind of normal formulaic film way. This is just fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> From start to finish. It's just mental. Mm-hmm. But it's not mental in a kind of... Like you said, like we were talking about with basketball um, last week. It's not mental in that way. It's just odd. And it's so odd in so many different ways. And I don't know anyone who's even heard of this film. I know people know the memes. Mm. I asked all the usual people who, who listen to this, oh, yeah, we're going to do Vampire's Kiss. No one had heard of it. Not one person. In, in, in the 20 people I asked, not one person had even heard of it. So neither had I. I had no idea. So that's why I went in as blind as I did. Incredible. Because, I mean, it's got a bit of a reputation, almost like The Room. This is mentioned in the same the same voice that The Room is mentioned in. So I'm, I'm quite shocked at that one. Yeah. I and mean, especially when 
when we went went to watch um uh disaster what was it called the disaster artist yeah the disaster when we went to watch that and we were talking about bad films at the time i still can't remember it being <laughs> mentioned there and you can see why the the whole the overacting and the uh high mark mm. that would fit in this film oh, perfectly absolutely. yeah <laughs> mm. but this is what 20 years before that and you think is is the room now inspired by this? <laughs> it's yeah, I think yeah, it's all a bit. There's a bit of good, bad, and crazy in every every single thing you even say about this. I don't, I don't think you can categorize any of it. Hmm. I think it's just a comment on the general thing overall. It breaks the rules of this whole podcast. <laughs> Matt, what do you think? I mean, it says something when my my good is the fact that it was the talking heads in the nightclub scene at the end. <laughs> like, <laughs> like um, that's literally... <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, musically, it was all over the place. This film, like at the start, I was like, God, I hate the music from the 80s when it's all synth and all that kind of stuff. In this kind of like synth jazz... But then I'd put down, oh, it's got the talking heads in the nightclub at the end. And it's it, they're not all goths, which I've, <laughs> I've mentioned before. Like when we talk about like weird nightclubs and stuff like that, it's always heavy metal and bondage. Mm. It's nice that it wasn't that for a change, which was a, which was a plus. Um, the bad, if we're completely honest, it's... It's it's very exploitative of mental health disorders. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and the sad thing about it is those parts were the absolute best thing about this film, <laughs> as in from an entertainment point mm. of view. Um, when he's clearly having these episodes and the real bad episodes, they're the most entertaining parts, but it's a, it's an out-and-out exploitation of, of, of these disorders as opposed to an awareness exercise, sadly. Um the, the crazy is is the first note that I wrote on my notes, which was, is it really good acting or really bad? <laughs> it's literally my first notes. Like, I, I, I don't have the answer for you. It's, maybe it's just rhetorical. Like, I, I can't tell if this is a genius painting, yeah, painting the roof of the Vatican, or is it, or, or, or is it? a drunk with a box of crayons. Like, I just don't, I don't know. I don't have the answer for you. And that's why it's, that's why it's crazy. Yeah. I, I very similar to yourself. My, my crazy is I, I, I don't know what this film's about. <laughs> like I've watched it at, at least three times now. And I, I still don't really understand it. And it, it, like part of me went in, because of it was set in the 80s, it's about a slightly about yuppie culture and what have you. I don't know if it's because my mind is tainted by American Psycho mm-hmm. that I kind of expect it to be an exploration of um, greed and power and that sort of thing and the relationship between men and women within a power structure. I expected that and there's nothing, there's none of that in the slightest so I don't know if it's just me giving this film more credit than it deserves because it doesn't touch on anything. It is literally, as you say, an exploitation movie. That's all it is. And 
fuck, I, I, I feel dirty, but I actually enjoyed myself watching it. Yeah. Like, it, it's not awful. It's, it is, but it is awful at the same time. It's <laughs> not, but it is. It is a contradiction of a film, and I've really struggled to put my finger on what it is about this film that I hated and what I liked about it. Because like Stu said, it's everything. I liked everything and hated everything about it. It is so weird. And like I said, th- there are some bits that really made me laugh. There's the stuff with the teeth in the Chinese shop. <laughs> the therapist with her booty call that just rocks up out of nowhere and never gets explained. It just felt really out of place and weird. His death scene at the end, which was so overacted. <laughs> the accent... It's such a bizarre film. The coffin and the sofa. God, I was I howled <laughs> yeah. after at that. Yeah. But it's when he hisses at him. <laughs> <laughs> it's outstanding in its awfulness and like I don't get me wrong, I probably won't watch it again for another five or six years, but I probably will watch it again at some point. It's not it's not to the rooms level of so bad it's good because that is the pinnacle of that that sentiment but i did enjoy myself watching it for all of its for all its faults which i suppose leads on to the next question did you enjoy the film Stu? <laughs> absolutely <laughs> and, uh, i couldn't stop laughing and <laughs> i'll kind of come around to the fact that it was 100 percent intentional because you can't make something like this mm. and it be were the that's the thing were there films like this before <coughs> before this that were this ridiculous and this bad at the same time because before the room I, I didn't really think anything could touch that mm. <laughs> and really nothing can because that's in its own exceptional world but this is something else, and I enjoyed it way more than any <laughs> any sane, sensible person should enjoy a film like this. And I recommended it to everyone because of that. I was skipping to the next <laughs> part. I've recommended it to every single person I know because it's class in a terrible, terrible way. <laughs> Matt, did you enjoy the film? I, I, I did, but my answer is no, because I enjoy <laughs> I enjoyed it like two thirds of the way in for the last act, and that's not enough, unfortunately. Um, I was at the at this, you know it warmed on me as it went on, but I, I I can't you know I can't say that I I can't say I enjoyed it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I enjoyed the end. Yeah. Um, but I I I didn't enjoy the journey. Mm. So, I can't sometimes that's enough like just send them mm-hmm. home happy and you'll have enjoyed the experience even though like you say the journey was terrible yes and I, yeah I, I keep I, I don't know if I enjoyed it like I did and I didn't <laughs> <laughs> on, on the balance I, I mean I didn't hate the experience mm-hmm. the, the bad stuff was bad enough to make me laugh at it and that's more than can be said for some of the films that we've watched yeah. So, yeah, I, I suppose I did enjoy it. And if anyone ever asks for a film that's so bad it's good, if they want to do a bad film night, I would recommend this as the kind of film to watch for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, 
I, I think that that's fine. It's fine for what it is, which is fucking terrible. <laughs> so based on this film and this film alone, was Cage good or was Cage bad? Stu, you said yes. Are you? Is that your answer? Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought it was excellent. <laughs> But I don't know. I don't know if it was deliberate or not, though, because mm. it has to be. It has to be deliberate because you can't be that. He's he's obviously been hired for the. I mean, this was after raising Arizona, so mm-hmm. you've already seen what he's capable of. He's obviously been hired for that reason. So, like we, we've like we've done before, like we said a couple a few weeks ago, would you put? Um, who would you put in primal from mm. the from, you can't see anyone else doing this putting God, this no. performance in at all for a very good reason <laughs> yeah so for that for that reason alone <laughs> yes he was because he, he's irreplaceable <laughs> matt what do you think um, I, I, I believe that it's intentional. I believe he's doing it for, um, for a reason, but you know, it's a case of, we stopped asking the questions, can we, and we should be asking the questions, should we, <laughs> <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? Um, I, I've got to say no. Can you imagine if this was the only Nick Cage film you'd ever seen, <laughs> you'd think, fuck it this guy is absolutely abysmal. We know through hindsight and how, like, you know, he can take on roles and do all sorts of things. But if this was the sole film, which is the question, mm-hmm. you think he was a, the worst actor in history? Mm-hmm. So it's got to be a no for me, unfortunately. I, I'm, I'm really torn on this. <laughs> and the fact that you are really torn says everything about it. It does, doesn't it? Because I, I don't think Nick Cage is acting in this film. I think he thinks it's a complete different movie. Hmm. Like, he's putting in a really good comedic performance in a film about mental health episodes and vampires. Like, <laughs> doesn't compute. I, I honestly... I don't think I've struggled on this question as much with any other film that we've watched. <laughs> I think the reason I'm going to say yes, I think he's good in this film. It goes back to our conversation with our good friend David Nell when he spoke about Nick Cage makes decisions in every role. Like everything he does is for a purpose. And I will find out what the purpose of this performance is one day. It just isn't today. So I'm going to say yes, he was good. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that <laughs> there's a reason behind the madness in this film. But I may change it at a later date. I'm not. <laughs> so I need you to finish the sentence. If you enjoyed Vampire's Kiss, you might also like Matt. Uh, I don't know about enjoy, but you should watch um, "Let the Right One In," the Swedish coming of age vampire story. Mm. Um, by by coming of age, that's not to say it's particularly sweet or it's anything <laughs> like super bad. <laughs> or anything like that, but it's uh, it's a vampire tale that isn't. Uh, it's just quite original and fresh, and because it's Swedish, you know, you, you, uh, subtitled. I think it's dubbed as well. I never watched a dubbed version. I'd watch a subtitled version. Um, it's just the the tone of it is very very different. It's 
it's sweet and sour, I guess you could say. <laughs> like it's brutal and beautiful all at the same time, and it's it's just a vampire story that isn't you know trench coats and blade or you know twilight or anything like that. It's just a sweet story and an also brutal story, like just about kids and the troubles that kids go through, and the fact that one of them's a vampire as well. Like it's it's sweet at heart, mm. but it's also not. I just don't know how to describe it. I mean, it, even the um, the American adaptation is 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 good, mm. um, but it, you know, watch watch it as intended and watch the Swedish you know original plot one first. Steve, mm. I mean, when I when I didn't calm down afterwards after when I when I could see again through the, the uh, salty tears of joy, um, th- this was two films mashed together. And one you've already mentioned was American Psycho, obviously, because that has that must have had influences. Mm. It must have been influenced by this. But the other one was Dracula Dead and Loving It. <laughs> Which is <laughs> as, yeah. as, as mental a, a vampire film as you're gonna get. And I think if you put them two films together, this is what you come out with. Mm-hmm. See the love child, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I get that completely. Yeah. Uh, my answer is The Boys from County Hell, which is a vampire comedy film set in Ireland. Uh, it's a crew of hardy road workers uh, are led in by this bickering father and son, and they need to survive the night when they accidentally awaken this ancient Irish vampire that's been buried on their plot of land. It's really ridiculous, but... Like, there's enough gore in it that you actually, like, fear for stuff. But it's really quite funny. I think if you like Derry Girls, you'll recognise a couple of the faces in it. Um, The girl who plays Orla is in this movie. She's excellent. And there's also John Lynch, which is another face you'd probably recognise from Irish independent cinema. Um, It's a really wonderful horror comedy. And, like, so often when you get films from the British Isle and Ireland, they compare it to Shaun of the Dead, and it honestly doesn't deserve that recognition. But this one probably does, actually. It's a small-budget film. It's kind of scary, and it's really funny, and that's more than can be said for most horror comedies. It's really worth your investment. I do like an Irish independent film for some reason. So, yeah, Boys from County Hell. It's on Shudder. Um, which I haven't mentioned for a while, but I'd definitely say check that one out. Yeah, those should have checks haven't been coming through the post. I have not. They need to step up their game. <laughs> uh, so that's another Nick Cage film recorded in the record books. If you've seen this one or any of the films, get in contact, cagefightingpod at gmail.com or on the Twitter or Instagram at cagefightingpod. Uh, please make sure that you're subscribed and that you're following us on whatever podcast it is that you're using. Um, And thank you for giving us your time this week. We really do appreciate it. So for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, everybody. And remember, if you are going to um, buy some fake teeth, invest in some ceramic ones. Come on. (laughs) Stu, would you like to say goodbye? I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. And remember, dream of me, my angel. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha.